Thank you, Jesus. Things do change on your authority, Lord, and God, on the authority of your word. And so this, uh, this morning, we just um, thank you that your word is powerful, God, and is going to bring deliverance and healing to our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can already take your seats. Thanks, Steve. Um, my name's Michael. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for uh, being here today. It's good to see so many faces um, and visitors coming back to one heart, so that's great. Uh, if you've got your Bibles or your uh, phone or whatever device you use to read your Bible, um, go to the book of Esther. We're going to have a look through that book. And uh, for the sake of time, we're not going to look at all the scriptures, uh, read out the scriptures as such, but we'll just um, try and do a summary. There's a lot of points, so stay, stay with me through uh, this and uh, follow along uh, if you can. I'll try and give you the, where, where we're going through this. So, uh, In 1 Timothy 12, uh, 6, 12, it says, Strive earnestly in the good conflict of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. To which you have been called. And so in the book of Esther, if, if you go, um, it's, a se- it's a series of events that happened back in the day in Old Testament times. And it, in our day, it, it's brought forward as a spiritual parallel, I suppose, or a spiritual teaching and truth for us in this day and age. And, you know, I've, I've had this message on my heart for a number of months and it's, you know, and by God's grace, it's come together on this day and that's not just a coincidence it, it matches exactly with our this day that we're praying for religious freedom and, and what um, is coming uh, to the church at this time so it's no coincidence and we, we thank God that he does those sort of things so in Esther chapter 2 16 17 it says and the king loved Esther more than any of the other young women he was so delighted with her that he set a royal crown on her head and declared her queen. So Esther is a Jew. So she's, uh, she's uh, different than the other women in this, um, in this uh, palace as such. And it says that um, the king loved her more than any of the other young women. And it's in, the, in the story, if you read into it, it says that Esther was made beautiful by the the um, uh, servants and whatnot, and then she was brought um, before the king, and he and he loved her so much that he declared her queen. And this is like the church. Um, if we can get that first slide up there, um, the bride of Christ. We are the church is called the bride of Christ, and and as his people, he has made us beautiful. He's made us clean. He's made us holy. And he loves us incredibly. We are his bride. The church is called his bride. And, and he has said, you are royalty alongside of me. And, and I have great love for you. And we need to understand that. You see, uh, there's a story in the Bible about the prodigal son. And the prodigal son went to the pig pen. And he was so low that he was trying to eat the scraps of the pigs. And he was wallowing in mud. And, and, but there's a point when he comes to his senses and he starts to, he says, I'll go back to my father. The father runs out to this prodigal son, puts a robe on him, uh, puts a ring on his finger of authority, puts shoes on his feet 
and, and, and accepts him back and has this big celebration. But the thing is, the robe was put on when he was still dirty. And so it went on over his dirtiness, but it covered him. But too often as Christians, we, our mind is stuck in the pig pen. We still think, oh, I'm, that, I'm still dirty. I'm still guilty. I'm still not really right with God. But no, you've got to actually lay hold of the truth. As his, as his bride, as his people, have got to lay hold of the truth. I am clean. He has accepted me. I am cleansed. I am part of his royal family. And laying hold of that truth helps us to lay hold of walking in it. And so Esther, who is declared queen, um, is in this palace. But there's an enemy also in the midst uh, at this time. And in Esther 3, 1 to 6, it says uh, this fellow is called Haman. Haman is a picture of Satan, basically of the devil. Um, and he is the enemy of God. And so when Haman saw that Mordecai, this Mordecai fellow is another Jew, um, and he would not bow down or show, Mordecai would not bow down or show Haman respect. Uh, and when Haman saw that, he was filled with rage. He was filled with anger at this Mordecai bloke because he wouldn't submit to what he wanted. And it says in Revelations 12.9, and the great dragon was cast down, the old serpent, he that is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was cast down to earth and his angels were cast down with him. And then in verse 17, the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commands and maintain their testimony for Jesus. So you think about that. If you are a child of God and you are refusing to bow down to the devil's demands of you, refusing to bow to his system and way of rulership, then you have a target on your back. He, he, ha he hates you. The devil, he enjoys people bowing down to them and being ruler over their lives and being able to wreck their lives. He loves that. That's his thing. And he hates Jesus and all his followers because they don't submit to his rulership and don't show him any respect. But, and so the devil is constantly plotting how to kill you and all Christians. He is right now working behind the scenes to create ways to kill, children, uh, kill Christians and wreck their lives and to kill and wreck the church. That's the reality of, of where, what we're living in. That's the spiritual reality. But we need not fear. We are not powerless far from it. We're going to see that as we go on. We are more than conquerors through Jesus if we only know it and walk in it. We have to apply what the Word of God says, understand it, know it and walk in it. And so in chapter 3 still, verse 8 to 10, Haman, this enemy of, of Mordecai and Esther and the Jews, he approaches King Xerxes and says, there's a certain race of people that keep themselves separate. And, and so he asked the king to issue a decree that they will be destroyed. And the king agrees. The king agreed. Now, we don't necessarily understand this, but the king agrees to Haman's request and gives him permission to attack the people of God. And the devil gets permission to test you and I and to buffet us, 
It's, it's, it's through the scriptures. You look at Jesus. He was led in the wilderness, into the wilderness, to be tempted by the devil. In the book of Job, Job was, uh, God was allowed, uh, sorry, God allowed the devil to attack Job. There was a permission granted there. But you see, the permission is only granted because God knows the outcome of what will happen if we fight by faith. In Simon Peter, he's in, in the Gospels. Uh, Peter, who is called, what was called Simon previously, I tell you, this is Jesus talking, I tell you that Satan has obtained permission to have all of you to sift you as wheat is sifted. Now we can think, why, why is that so? But some things we just don't understand. But the point of the test you and I face, or we face as a church, is for us to have victory and come out the side, or come out the other side in the power of God, doubly blessed. See, when Jesus went into the wilderness, it says he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit after the test. And when Job was finished with his test, he came out and received double. So God's plan is that through this test, we will be stronger and we'll be more blessed than when we went in. Do you agree with that? And so this, this decree is issued that, that, that uh, Haman can attack, these, attack the Jews on a certain date. And when Mordecai learned about, in chapter 4, 1 to 3, when Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city, crying with a loud and bitter wail. And the thing is, do we have grief for the state of the world and for the state of people's lives around us? Or are we just, does that not concern us? It should concern us. There should be a grief and a concern when you see people's lives being wrecked by the enemy, when you see the world um, not going as Jesus planned it, when you see death coming into people's lives. And in, when Jesus was on the earth, um, this guy, uh, Lazarus, you probably know the story. It, it says, I'll read it for you, a small section of it. When Jesus, Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, he went, she went down at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not be dead. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the Jews weeping who came with her, her spirit was moved and he was troubled. And he said, where have you put him? They said, come and see, Lord. And Jesus himself was weeping. So the Jews said, how dear he was to him. You see, Jesus is moved by the state of the world. He's moved by death and destruction coming into people's lives. He's moved by your situation that you're encountering right now. You see, he's moved, but then after this, this event where he, he weeps, he's weeping with the people around him, it says that he takes action. He, he, he goes to the tomb and he speaks and he says, Lazarus, come forth. He raises Lazarus from the dead and he says, remove the clothes off him and, 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 and free him essentially. And you know what? Jesus, he's, he's, he has grief, and he's, but he's stirred to action. And are we stirred to action because of the state of the world around us, the state of people's lives? Do we have the grief and anger of God that people are trapped by the enemy, walking in death, that babies are killed by the thousands, that people are taught in schools that there is no God, that suicide, there's around 10 people a day 
that take their own life in Australia. Same-sex relationships and gender transition being normalised. The list goes on. But are we moved by that or are we just nonplussed? I want to be stirred with what stirs Jesus' heart and moved by what moves Jesus' heart and moved by what is on his mind and what he wants to act on, even if it's uncomfortable and means that I have to act and do something. And so they pray and fast and Esther goes into the king and it says in chapter 5, 1 to 5, the king was sitting on his royal throne facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her. And he asked her, what do you want, Queen Esther? You see, it says in Hebrews 4.16, Therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may, may find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. See, as born-again believers, we are royalty. We have to understand that. We are royalty. And then when we go in to see the king, into his very throne room, his scepter will come down of acceptance, saying, you're welcome here. You're welcome to bring your request. You're welcome to bring your prayer to me. See, this king was the authority in the land. He had all authority. Whatever he said goes. You can't, you can't do anything against what this king says. And you know what? Whatever God says goes. Nobody can, can make a claim against that. Nobody can do anything other than what he has declared. And he's welcomed us to come into his very presence and have access to his throne. And we need to come to our all-powerful God, especially even more so at this time. And so, this, uh, so Esther comes in and this is her petition. She says, If I have found favour with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people will be will be spared and so and in the meantime while she's praying this prayer Haman had set up this it says he set up this pole this spike uh, sharpened pole that he was going to um, drop drop uh, Mordecai on and, and kill him but you see Esther prays and it says in James 5:16, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Have you seen great power and wonderful results happening in your life? If you haven't, then, then get, get into the throne room. See these things happening. It's so encouraging when you see him. Year after year, you see God moving, uh, even in small ways or big ways. And so he wants to hear our voice. He wants us to come into his presence he wants to work on our behalf, but if we never go in, then what's he, he hasn't got anything to work with. And so God hears his bride. He wants to hear from us. He wants to answer us. He wants to work powerfully on our behalf. Do you believe that? This morning, when the situation looks bad, approach God and pray and ask him to work on your behalf. Just see what he does out and, and, and Haman is, is, in the very, is in the room with Esther at this point when, when she's making this position. And, you know, our enemy might be there, but he's only there to be stitched up. He's only there to be stitched up. 
See, God knows the whole picture. And it, see, and it doesn't matter if we're surrounded by enemies. They are about to be overthrown. We, we know if the enemy comes with us, even to the very throne of God, eventually only one of us is getting out of there alive. And it's not him. It's going to be the end for him. In Psalm 23, 4-6, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God prepares a table for us in the very presence of our enemies, and he anoints our head with oil. And David wrote this psalm, and David does not fear. Even though the enemy is in his very presence, he knows that the enemy's end is near and overflowing blessing and mercy is coming David's way. And we know that the devil is going to be impaled on that very sharpened spike that he's prepared for us. That's his ultimate end. And we need to know that and be confident in that. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, As for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are at this day. So always remember what the devil means for evil, God will turn around for good when we pray in faith and ask the Almighty One for his help. And so Esther prays. Um, it's, and, and she identifies... Um, Haman as, as the enemy who, who's created this, this uh, law. And, and Haman is shaking in his boots. He's scared now. He, he's, he knows his time is near. And so the king issues this decree. The king's decree gave the Jews in every city authority to unite and defend their lives. So you'd ask, why didn't the king just repeal the other law? Why didn't he just say, well, you can't attack them? Oh, get rid of that law. You're not allowed to attack those people anymore. Why didn't he just do that? But he couldn't, he couldn't do it. The law had to stay in place. And you know what? We don't understand the fullness of why the enemy is allowed to tempt us or buffet us or attack or do, do what he can to, to, the, to, us, to us and the church. We don't understand fully, but we aren't at the mercy of the enemy any longer greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world and so we can fight back God has said you can fight back this is this is the new law you can fight back and he knows that we'll win as we fight by faith the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds that's in 2 Corinthians 10.4. We have powerful spiritual weapons against the enemy's strongholds in our lives and the lives of people and, and those around us. And so let's not leave them beside the bed. Let's pick them up and use what God has given us. What's the point of having weapons just sitting in the cupboard? Um, get out and use them. That, that's their purpose, to take, take things down. And so... Esther chapter 8, verse 13 to 17. In, in every province, 
and city, wherever the king's decree arrived, the Jews rejoiced and had a great celebration. And so it's at this point that, that there's, there's a certain day allocated when they were going to be attacked. This hasn't even happened yet. All that's happened is the king has issued another decree to say you can fight. The Jews can fight. You can fight for your families. You can fight for your lives. And the people start rejoicing. They start celebrating. It's just now we've heard that, we can celebrate. And you know why they're celebrating? Because they know we've got the victory. All we need is just the authority to fight and we'll, we'll win. God is on our side. So they start celebrating even before the battle has even arrived on their doorstep. And the enemy is scared of us. He knows that we have guaranteed victory as we step out into the world and fight by prayer and the power of his spirit and word. Do you realize that? He knows that, that we have, we're authorized by the king to fight and we'll have certain victory if we fight by faith. If victory was uncertain, then we would have reason to be discouraged or would have reason to be concerned or fearful. But if we know the outcome, that we will win if we fight, then we can, we can celebrate going into that fight. We can celebrate knowing that victory is on the other side. And so on this day, when this battle, when this starts, when they start to attack, it says the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but quite the opposite happened. It was the Jews who overpowered their enemies. How awesome is that? The devil expects to have victory over you. He brings something into your life and he's like, I'm going, to have, I'm, I'm going to have victory over this person now. But the tables are turned on him and you have victory over him. Do you believe that this morning? He's called you to live in victory and to overcome everything the enemy would bring at you. He is not able to stand against us in Jesus. So if the music team could come up. We're going to um, finish up. Hopefully you've been able to follow along. But I just want to take you back before we finish to a point in the story just after uh, the, ish, the decree is issued that the Jews are going to be killed. And there's this point, right? Esther hears about this. She knows about this. And she's in the king's palace. And there's a point where she's like, what, what do I do? So she hasn't been, the king hasn't called her for 30 days. It's been a while since, since she's been in the presence of the king. It's been a while since she's been at that altar. And so she's like, Mordecai, this is the situation. What, what, what are we going to do? And this is Mordecai's reply. He said, don't think for a moment that because you're in this palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at this time, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. And so Mordecai encourages Esther. He says, look, God's put you here. He's put you in this very palace for this very time. It's your appointed time. You're called. 
You're in the spot you're in because God has put you there. And so he says, don't shrink back. Step into it. Ask God. Go into the presence of God. Ask him to deliver. Ask him to act on your behalf. And stand up and fight the enemy. Change the situation. You have the power in your hand to change the situation by prayer. And maybe it's been a while since you've come before the king. Maybe you feel that distance. But you know what? When As soon as Esther went back into that throne room, the scepter was lowered, the scepter of acceptance, the scepter of you're my bride, you're my beloved, you're always welcome. You're always welcome. And the God is saying the same thing to you. You're always welcome to come to me. And you know what? We can't shrink back at this time. We need, as Christians, we need to be in the prayer room. We need to be asking God to move powerfully on our behalf. We need to see victories coming. I don't want to be one that where the enemy just has access to my life to cause death, destruction to come into my life just because I didn't pray. Because I, I said, when, when the encouragement was there, it's the time is yours, the call is yours. I, I, I said, no, thanks. I don't want to be that. I want to be one that says, and I know you do too, God's calling you and you say, yes, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to your presence. I'm coming to see you do powerful things through my life, not just for me, but for those around me. We have to be bold now. As the bride of Christ, we are in a royal position. We have to come before the king. So I implore you, encourage you, be found at the king's throne in prayer. It says in James 4, 2, you have not because you ask not. So we have to pray and petition God and we have to engage in the battle. And so if you're a Christian here today, it's your appointed time. We're called to see victory in our families. We're called to see victory in our schools. We are called to see victory in our workplace and in our city and in our country and in the countries of the world. We are called to see victory in our church. So this is our time. Let's not, let's not delay. God is calling you. He's calling you to his throne at this time. Why don't you stand with me this morning as we finish, come to a close. And what we're going to do before we do that we're going to give people an opportunity that don't know Jesus to accept him into their lives and we're going to have a simple prayer on, on the screen that will come up and this prayer is just to help for you if you're like you know I don't know Jesus I, I hear, hear what you're saying there's something stirring in me there's, a, there's something in my heart that's burning in my and I don't know what it is but I just feel like God is calling me he's just saying come to me and if that's you this morning, um, or you want to recommit your life to God, we're going to have a prayer come up on the screen. And uh, we're all going to pray this together. Uh, and so why don't we do that now? Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life, and I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Today, I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Might be the first, that's the first time you prayed that. Come and see me or come and see Pastor Rob or one of the team. 
and we'll help you on your first steps. It might seem like, what do I do now? This is a bit odd or scary or whatever, but we'll help you. We'll be able to give you some resources or a Bible if you don't have one, whatever you need, we can give that to you. So just come and talk to us. It's, we, we're, we're happy to, to have you do that. And so as we finish, we're going to sing through uh, a song again. And I want you to lay hold of this song. I want you to lay hold of it for our church. I want you to lay hold of it. The authority of God over our lives for, for your families and for your schools and for this city and for this nation. But before we do that, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give you opportunity. Maybe this, the message has stirred something in you and you've thought, you know what? I, I have the call. I've, had, I've always had the call or I have the call, but I just, I've never actually stepped into it. I seem, I just feel disengaged from God. I just, I just want to, or even if you're just someone that says, I want to stand in my generation. I want to be one that will, for such a time as this, I'm going to see great victories. And if that's you, we're just going to, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hands in the air and we're going to pray together and we're going to believe that you're going to see incredible things happening in your life from this very point forward. So if that's you, why don't you raise your hands right now and we're going to pray for you this morning. If you want to be one that's, that makes a difference in this generation, that sees lives changed, that sees victories come, then raise your hands right now and you'll be included in this prayer. So Father, we thank you. Lord, hands going up all over the place. Lord, we just pray. God, you see these hands. Lord, you see these people, God, that want to be, make a difference in their generation. They want to make a difference in their family. Lord, you're calling them to your throne. You're saying, what do you want from me? Come to me, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that as they come, you would hear, Lord, that they would know your great love for them. They would know that your power is available to them. God, that they would see, start to see victory after victory after victory after victory in every area. God, we just pray and thank you that your anointing is just coming upon people, even right now, that you're touching people, that, that the anointing to pray is coming on people right now. Lord, that we're going to see more and more people in the prayer room, more and more people in prayer meetings, more and more people in this day, Lord, coming to your throne, God, and making a difference and seeing lives radically changed in this generation. God, we just thank you for this, your transforming power, touching people right now. God, we bless you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.